0: unbillable hour community table where real lawyers from all around the country with real issues they are dealing with right now meet together virtually to present their questions to christopher t anderson lawyer and law firm management consultant new questions every episode and none of it scripted the real conversations happen here our first discussion today stems from a lawyer who wants to build a referral compensation policy for his associate.
1: The headline of my question is, I want to build out a referral origination fee system and policy for my associate to fairly compensate him for referrals. And of course, be fair to the firm. You know, since this is my first time Colin, how would you like me to kind of set the table?
2: Yeah, the best you can, you know just frame it up, like what's the associate doing, what's the business, how, how are referrals working, et cetera.
1: We're a criminal defense firm where we charge all flat fees. My associate's been with me for about three years, and he you know really is our working definition of a grinder, right? Mm-hmm. He, he handles probably 99 percent of the caseload, does a fantastic job with the clients, fantastic job with the prosecutors, gets great results. Understands business elements like you know making sure clients have paid in full and things like that. I pay him a salary of one hundred and thirty thousand dollars, and up until this point, we he's been with me like I said for about three years, and he hasn't received any referrals uh, or otherwise done anything that would generate new business. And so I haven't had a need to create an origination fee policy. Out of need though, I should have already had one, right? And so how this kind of came about is there's a attorney in South Florida who had been taking certain types of cases in our area and he decided he didn't want to do those cases in our area anymore. But to some extent, his marketing system is still generating leads for those types mm-hmm. of cases. And so sure. he thinks highly of my associate. They become friends. And he said, hey, whenever I have these cases coming my way, I'm going to refer them to you.
2: And now you're in Florida. So does that mean you're paying this, uh, this source as well?
1: Well, and the source said he doesn't uh, want any referral fees. You know, he handled it like, hey, if you have anything that I can service, you know, I'd appreciate if you keep me in mind, more of a reciprocal thing, sure. which is generally my experience amongst criminal defense practitioners is they don't seek referral fees for criminal matters. They just sort of scratch each other's backs, including in the local area, like when there's, you know, Great. co-defendant matters, Right. And so um, this prompted my associate to say that he would like to receive 25 to 30% of the total fee mm. in addition to his base salary. I told him that I was going to you know, look into it and get back to him. And then sometime thereafter, his friend and he were chatting and his friend said, hey, I've referred some cases to you. Have you guys signed any of them up and he rattled off a few names. My associate recognized those names and that sort of triggered him to send me a angry email um, sort of reacting as if I was holding out on him. Hmm. It basically, it looks that about this source has sent, uh, it looks like six or seven potential clients. Only one of them have identified the source or my associate, right? As in, Hey, someone told me to, call Chris Anderson. I'm here to speak with Chris Anderson.
2: Right. So they came in, you didn't know they were necessarily referred by this person. Yeah.
1: And the reason I bring that up, and I think this is in my thinking, Chris, you know, this is sort of an important element is that, you know, uh, while the source may have said, Hey, I recommend this person, you should contact him. That doesn't necessarily mean that's why, the lead contact to the firm. Um and you know by illustration, you know, our marketing system, you know, is very good. We oftentimes when we have people shopping around, we'll have the same lead call us multiple times because sure. they see us sure. in multiple places, they forget that they've already spoken to us, you know. But my biggest point really is that these are clients that you know retained us weeks ago and, and never mentioned that it was a referral. Now of course my real focus is not on these handful of clients, right? My real focus is uh, moving forward, what would be a fair bonus or fee division? And uh, should I have the associate, you know, how much of the intake process should the associate do? The sales process is really what I mean. I'm not really too worried about communicating it to my associate. He and I have a good relationship. We've had money conversations before, and I feel like we've both come to the table with integrity and honesty. You know, someone is worried about the interpersonal aspect.
2: Except he's except he's sent you a pissed off email. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a, there's a trust issue there. So let me ask you a couple of questions that I'd like Rob to come in. Cause Rob has got a particular point of view on generosity slash liberality of picky paying bonuses and like keeping a low threshold, which I agree in this circumstance, like, because, you know, what I find is a lot of law firms come at it with a, I'm going to find a way to not pay it, which, you know, then kind of tamps it down, but I'll let Rob speak to that. But I want to ask just a couple of questions. First of all, Other than salary, do you have any production bonus at all with this person? Or is this person just on straight salary no matter how many cases you load up on his cart?
1: It's the latter, just salary and the benefits. Yeah, nothing tied to production.
2: Okay. And then um, do you pay a discretionary bonus end of year or have you? Uh,
1: I have not for a similar reason of not coming up with a fair system. You know, not feeling pressure like now to create one, so so no. Uh, But I'm not against it. I just have not in the past.
2: And then, do you, the last question, then I'll, I'm going to hand it over to Rob for a minute. Last question is um, Do you have an idea of your total cost of acquisition of a client
1: today? Yeah, it's in the tens of dollars. Holy shit, really? Really? I gross on average 100 grand a month, 105 grand a month, and I spend about 5 grand on marketing.
2: Okay. So 100 grand gets you about 20, 21 clients. And, and so you're, you're spending 500, that's 500 per client. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. okay. Which, which makes sense. So that, so we're talking about a 10% marketing cost that that all makes sense. All right, Rob, to you, what are you, what, what are your thoughts to Alan's question?
3: There's a lot to unpack here, but I'm going to give you my thoughts and I can't say in any particular order, but here we go. First of all, I don't know your associate's personality. So if we go ahead and create this referral program, let's I don't want to assume that he's going to engage in business development and networking and attend events and, and really, you know, go for it. Sounds like most of these referrals were gifts, which is okay, but let's not assume that he's going to be an aggressive, go-getting business development type of person. That's point number one. Number two. I would want to know, and I mean this rhetorically, what's your cost to produce your services? I want to know your profitability before we determine if 25% is good, 28%, 19% or what that looks like, the format. Let's take a look at your service. How much does it cost to provide? How much are you charging? What's your profit margin? Then we can bake in the expense of a referral fee of some sort. IDing the source is critical. I would encourage you to come up with a system where someone quote claims a PNC and then a client. It can be done via email, Slack, Teams, an Excel spreadsheet, it doesn't matter, but some formal system which will eliminate confusion. You can certainly make this retroactive. You had mentioned that, really it sounds like uh, the source was only id once. If your associate could provide emails or texts or some other type of correspondence with names, then you could make this retroactive and let him claim additional referrals. Chris is right. You want to encourage this. I recommend a low threshold. If your associate leaves a business card on a bar somewhere and the manager gets a DUI and picks up that card and calls and we can ID the source, good enough. In my opinion, I would also think about putting in a, some type of production bonus and a discretionary bonus if money is the issue. So I'm not sure if it's the, ref, the the concept of the referrals that are the issue, or is it his overall compensation that's an issue? So we have a couple of different levers here that we could pull, and I would recommend thinking about that as well. Finally, if your associate is really good, so if you had a, well, I'll ask you, give your associate a grade out of 10 overall.
1: Nine, nine and a half, ten. 10, I mean. Okay, so yeah. if you have an
3: employee that's nine or nine and a half, high level, take care of that employee. It's gonna mm-hmm. cost you far too much money to go another route. Take care of that employee when it's reasonable. Finally, keep in mind by encouraging referrals, you actually will lower your cost of acquisition. If it's $500 a client, you theoretically don't have to spend as much on marketing and your cost of acquisition is lower. So look at it as an investment, not necessarily an expense. So I know those were a little bit random, um, but hopefully that provides a little bit of insight into how to analyze this.
2: Yeah. So great. I, I don't disagree with anything that Rob said, but I'm going to go a little further and I'm going to give you a couple of answers world. According to me, first of all, like they come coming out with a 25 to 30%, like when your marketing costs are 5% or sorry, t- close to 10%, obviously we've got a little bit of a disconnect there. And, you know, somebody's heard some numbers that are going around in the PI world, which has, you know, higher margins and higher marketing costs, which is why, Pi refer gives the referral percentages that they do because that is commensurate with their cost of acquisition. Um, they spend a lot more money on marketing, um, so they're willing. You know, when they get a, a client in, to do that. I, I also agree with Rob. So another question we didn't ask you is: um, you've got you and an associate. Are you turning cases away today?
1: No, not okay. unless they're not a good fit.
2: Okay. Um, because, you know, obviously, if you're turning kids away and he's bringing in more that just that that's just causing the bucket to overflow a little bit more, um, we, you know, we, we could talk about reducing your marketing or whatever. So, yes, low threshold, but definitely identifiable. You know, we all have the problem with lead attribution. People see if you're doing a good job with marketing, they'll see. And I'm just going to make stuff up. Right. But they'll hear your radio. They'll see your billboard. Um, they'll they'll see the pay-per-click. They'll get an organic result. Which one brought them in? Don't know. But if this if your associate was involved with it, I would rather say be generous, go low on the bar and go lower on the percent, right? Um, to make up for it rather than go high on the percent, but have a really strict rule because it always tastes bad when I come in and go, like, hey, Alan, that one's mine. You're like, No, it isn't. Even if I make more money, I can just be this stuff
1: more- makes people resentful, you know, yeah. about in fact, we already kind of had that happen this week. There was a woman who called my office around 5:15 in the afternoon, left a message. My son's in a thing. Give me a call. And then this source happened to speak with the woman and emailed my associate. And this is about an hour and a half after she called us. And I looked up and she called one of our Google Ad tracking numbers, right? So I know, mm-hmm. you know, that's how she came to us. And uh, so I spoke with the lead uh, Monday night, and uh, she said, "Yep, I want to hire you. Let me talk to my." Son, and we'll get back to you. And then um a day later, when my associate saw the email from the source, he forwarded it to me and said, Hey, here's another referral that I received. And then um, I think he saw my notes in our practice management software and called the lead and then um is sort of tripping over himself to take credit for this conversion, right? Like in a note, I mean he's literally like you know, claiming that the the lead was waiting to hear from him in order to hire the firm and all that. Well, I I had to call this new, this woman, the mom of the new client, the now new client uh, to follow up on a few things. And I kind of visited with her about marketing. And I asked her if she realized that my associate and I were in the same. And, And she basically said to me that she had no idea that he was in the same firm. When she spoke with him, she was not planning on hiring him until he mentioned that he works at this law firm, and then she kind of viewed it as like the stars aligning. You know what I mean? Like, oh, okay. Well, now I'm definitely. And my point is, is you know, you know, these sort of things can get sticky,
2: right? So, 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 so we create a two tier system, right? Straight up referral. That's how it came in. I'm going to make up a number: twelve percent, fifteen percent, ten percent. Doesn't matter. Mixed referral came in two ways. One of which was through through uh, a referral to you. Split sees if it's ten percent, five percent. If it's 12%, six percent, whatever, but just like a straight up boom, full, cloudy, mixed, but never zero.
1: Well, what if uh, see you, you know, you can really split hairs over this, you know, Chris? And I, you know, I don't know if it's a good idea to think of all these possibilities, but, but you know what about scenarios where you know I do a console. And then the person shops around a little bit. The source emails my associate and says, hey, I just spoke with so-and-so. I recommended.
2: Splitsies. Don't split hairs. It's splitsies. Why is it splitsies? Because you don't know if the person, what pushed them over the edge. Sure, you did a consult. Were they going to hire you? I don't know. The fact that they got a positive referral from someone else, did that push them over the edge? I don't know. You're going to be right sometimes and wrong sometimes. And that's why splitsies. Because that way, you know, you, you in the, in the end, it'll come out in the wash and this way you're not splitting hairs and you're not arguing over them. It's just, it's clean or it's splitsies or it's nothing. And just listen, this is a world of abundance. Like you, you do this, you make the you make the associate happy, you make the referral source happy. One or two things is going to happen. This referral source is going to keep sending this guy, like Rob said, it's, this guy may not be a go getter. This guy's going to even going to keep sending him referrals, which is great because he's going to be feeling good. You're going to, by the way, send. Thank you cards yourself to this referral source. Thank you so much for sending my associate referrals. This is great. If you can keep it up, you know, we'd really appreciate it. By the way, tell me more about how we can refer cases to you. So you get involved there without trying to cut your associate out, but just showing gratitude. And then the relationship continues. Or, and this is what I predict, this source dries up and your associate doesn't really go hump it to get more stuff. And this is all moot. But so let's just let's, let's pick a percent. You know, I say you should pay him ten or fifteen. I would probably say ten. And then and and if it's a uh, if it's cloudy, it's a split. It's five percent. That way, he's always getting something if he touched it in any way.
1: Yeah, I like that. Now, what about the scenarios like I outlined earlier, where sort of you know days or weeks after the fact, the source says, "Oh, by the way, you know, I told Chris Anderson to call you. Did he ever do that?" Splitsies. Yeah. So even then say, okay, we'll go back and we'll give you 5% or whatever. Yeah.
2: It's, it's, you're, you're going to err on the side of paying.
1: Okay. So I, I processed all this now who, when the referrals come in like a straight referral, like, Hey, here's Chris Anderson's name and telephone number. He has a case. Who would you recommend does the consultation? I fired my salesman about a year ago. So I've been doing all the consultations. Eventually, I want to hire an intake manager when I find the right fit.
2: Is your, is your associate not doing any of the consults right now? He's not doing any. Then I wouldn't change that. unless you know, But I would ask him, do you want to do some? I mean, I'd be glad to let you – know, if he wants to do some, then throw some at him, see what his conversion rate is, and then make a decision. But if he's, if he's comfortable letting you do them, then you do them and you still pay him.
1: Yeah. So just kind of say, look, you'll get 10% or whatever. I can do the consultation or you can do the consultation. But either way, it's going to be 10%. You know, yeah. what, what would you like to do? Yeah. You know, you're not getting more for doing the consultation. You're not doing less if I get the consultation.
2: Not right now. Not until you see his conversion rate. And if you really want him to be, your, you know, one of your on your sales team, and then you can talk about comp. If he can do them, you should stop.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, though, I tell you, that was my initial idea was to say, hey, you contact the lead, you do the consult, you bring him across the finish line.
2: Listen, let's see how good this guy is. It may, may prove to him that he sucks at it. And he should stay with you. But you know, let's let's all, let's come at it from an abundance mindset. Yeah?
1: Yeah. And I, and I like the idea of, I mean, it's like Rob said earlier, right? You know, if you put a gun to my head, you know, I'm not willing to pay anything to keep him from leaving, but I don't want him to leave. Right. You know what I mean? I don't want to feel like I'm being taken advantage of. You know, I feel like I've allowed myself to be taken advantage of, you know, by prior employees. So I've got a soft spot there, some scar tissue sure. there, but, but I don't want to lose it.
2: Yeah, and th- and the other question is because you did weren't able to answer it was like yeah what what is your overall profit margin because we don't want to eat
1: into that it's like thirty percent after okay. I pay myself my my monthly you know salary slash profit distribution
2: okay yeah it, it, what is it when you just pay yourself fair market for the job you do
1: oh you know forty five percent.
2: Yeah, so then, then the numbers I said were probably pretty good. And yeah, and you know, pay to keep them. Don't get taken advantage of. These numbers that we've talked about are all fair, and this gives him an opportunity to earn more. Yeah. Yeah, and if he decides, if he gets hooked on it and he starts generating more business, yay, that's great. Pay him handsomely so that there's no incentive for him to all of a sudden realize, oh, I'm really good at this. I could just start my own firm. I'll generate my own business, right? Pay him so handsomely that that he wouldn't want to go anywhere. You still get a profit off it, and that, that's a better place to be. Yeah. Delegate out those tasks that take up your time. Staffy can help you with your legal, administrative, marketing, and even client-facing workload. Hiring Staffy's top-notch bilingual virtual staff means Staffy does the recruiting, hiring, and training for you. Then, if you need a change, Staffy handles it. You get to concentrate on your strategic work. Schedule a free consultation at Staffy.cc. That's S-T-A-F-I dot and get $500 off with code HAPPY24. LawClerk's nationwide network of talented freelance lawyers is trusted by thousands of law firms. Solo attorneys and firms can get help with project-based work and also ongoing work via a subscription. Sign up is free and there are no monthly fees. You only pay when you delegate work. Plus, LawClerk has a new app for your mobile device to help you manage the work you've delegated while you're on the go. Be sure to use referral code UNBILLABLE when you sign up at lawclerk.legal.
0: In the next segment, a lawyer wants to know how to craft introductory meet the lawyer videos for future clients.
4: We're doing a video shoot for our attorneys because we use dragons. So they don't meet with attorneys before they're making their decision. But um, my sales team asked us to have intro videos for the attorneys so that our potential clients can see who they'll potentially be working with. So I'm just looking for some ideas of what they should be answering in those intro videos about it's themselves.
2: Not, yeah. It's not my firm. <laughs> um, so I'll take the lead and I'm going to that Rob totally disagreed with me here. It's not my firm. So I feel hesitant to say, if it were my firm, I would say whatever the hell they want to talk about. And that'd be completely personal. But it, it, it does it could be like, what's their favorite summertime activity? What's the best books that they've read? Favorite television shows? You know, what do they like to do on the weekends? Whatever, but very personal. Because what I, I think it's I think first of all I think it's a great idea to do this. What you don't want is some sort of thing where you're putting your client, prospective clients, in a position of trying to choose who's smartest um, or who gave the best answer to a legal conundrum.
1: It is Our really clients- not going to
4: be a Okay, here are the videos. You two pick who you want. We assign right. based on you know. Oh no no! I I get it.
2: That doesn't stop them from doing it. Yeah. Um, and and from telling no oh, no no, I want that one. I want that one. I get how the mechanism is going to go, which is even more reason why you don't want to give them fodder for that. Is just personalizing the people and seeing them that they're human beings. So, I mean, if you want, you could, you know, you could give a list of 10 possible topics, but then just let them go. And you're having, it's professionally done? Yes. Yeah. Awesome. I just, yeah, just give them some 10, 12 topics and then let them go would be my take on that. Rob, what do you think? Question.
3: When and where during when in the process would these videos be available to PNCs?
4: We're probably going to add them to their bios.
3: On the website? Uh Uh-huh. Okay, so that I find a little bit more problematic because then I think people are going to look at all of them and pick and choose.
4: If we don't do that, then probably after they're assigned, sending them the video of their new assignment I I,
3: I think that probably would be a better choice. I would leave you with this. Too often on the videos, it's the attorneys talking about how great they are, where they went to law school, what judge they could look for. Yeah, no we're not gives, doing any of that. Yeah, no one gives a crap, especially in modern society. It's about what you're going to do for me. So that's what I would gear the video. The attorney should talk about what they're going to do for me. I've been a family attorney for whatever years. I've represented this, that. In the other case, I'm going to help you this. I'm going to help you that. I have experienced this. That's the angle I would shoot for, how I'm going to help you solve your problem. And, you know, getting to what Chris was saying, a lot of people are visual. This helps establish a connection. It's the same thing, whereas people are sending PNC's videos, right? It's a quick 30-second video because that is an easier, stronger connection than just getting a text or just seeing an email. This is kind of the same thing. So I think it's setting up a connection, and it's talking about
2: what the attorney is going to do for the PNC. Yeah, Rob, I think you, I'm so glad you asked the question that you did, because if that's where it's going to be, yeah, I think the, the attorneys just look right in the camera and just say, that, hey, listen, this is what the first 30 days working with my team is going to be like. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to meet. We're going to set up some stuff. We're going to talk. You know, in, my, in my business, we'll have a players meeting. Your business will do something else. We'll talk strategy. And then um, you know we'll meet in person or we won't meet in person. And you know, we'll talk about what, what should happen. And, and by the way, you'll meet your paralegal. Here's a picture of him. they will be your main point of contact, but I'll always be here for you. Just personalizing the first interaction because like, let's remember most of our clients, this is their first time through. So of our clients, it's the second, but it's the first mm-hmm. time through with your firm and they're scared. They have no idea what's about to happen. And so just personalizing that and giving them that initial contact Because remember, what's happening, if you're doing it right there at the after the assignment, what's happening there? Buyer's remorse. Did I make a mistake? Did I hire the right firm? What questions didn't I ask? And uh, getting that personalization in there before the meeting even happens, powerful. I love that answer, Rob. Thank you. Find out how TimeSolve fits your firm. With six different ways to track time, surely one will fit, even on the go. Or quickly estimate flat fee projects. Batch payments for hundreds of invoices at once with TimeSolve Pay. Getting paid quickly is a great fit. And TimeSolve fits with the other tools you use. QuickBooks, LawPay, NetDocuments, LawRuler, Microsoft, all just plug in. Try TimeSolve free. Get a $100 Amazon gift card when you sign up. TimeSolve.com Nearly 80% of people search for lawyers online. They visit websites and check reviews. If your site doesn't appear in the top search results or it presents poorly, you risk losing clients. That's why you must know how your firm stacks up on Google against the competition. See how your reviews impact clients' decisions and how you can get better results from your site. Get an unbiased marketing performance report in under a minute right now at Grow Law Firm. And that's growlawfirm.com unbillable. Once again, growlawfirm.com unbillable.
0: Our final segment covers what to consider when hiring a managing attorney or director of operations. How
1: do you hire a managing attorney or a director of operations?
2: I think that's a great question for Rob.
3: Yeah, I'll take that one. That's 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 a pretty good one. So, how do you hire a managing attorney or director of operations? Those two need to be distinct. Managing attorney, in my opinion, a managing attorney will have had to have led some legal teams had some managerial experience. They understand how to foster teams. They are responsible for their team's performance, whether using pods or just attorneys underneath them, even the paralegals as well. Managing attorneys may or may not have responsibility for originations. So we need to make that clear as well. Now, when you're talking about evaluating their performance, Typically, you could talk about creating an ROI, basically, how much money do they bring in divided by how much you're paying them? And you get an ROI anywhere from, say, 2.5 to 4.5, and you can compare them with other managing attorneys. However, please keep in mind, when you're evaluating the performance of a managing attorney, what percent of their time is required to actually be the manager? and you should basically prorate their performance based upon that. So don't expect a managing attorney to bill as much as another attorney if the managing attorney is spending 40% of their time working with the team, okay? So, So that's the case of the managing attorney. Director of operations, different. Director of operations should have some very explicit business experience running a business. Does not have to be a law firm, remember. A law firm is a service business. There are many other service businesses that are very similar, and the experience is transferable. Director of operations has to be fearless. You're dealing with attorneys, no offense, even though I just offended everyone on the call. You know, you're dealing with very strong personalities. A lot of ego is involved, and a director of operations, frankly, has to be well acclimated and not afraid to kick ass. Director of operations will be running the firm, they most likely will be running HR, they will be facilities management, they will have their hands in finance perhaps, and they will be responsible for the overall performance of the operation staff. Depending on the size of your firm, you can differentiate between legal operations and office operations. Legal operations basically would be your billable resources, attorneys and paralegals, offsite operations, everyone else. Think more of administrative staff. So director of operations, you would look for someone who has successfully been operating a business, running a business, don't necessarily have to have law firm experience, but it certainly
2: helps. Christopher, what would you like to add? No, I think that's great. I think laid it right out there. Um, I guess the one thing that would help would be where to look. Like you said, it doesn't have to be these people that doesn't have like for the director of operations doesn't necessarily have to be legal, but where would you look?
3: Okay, good questions. I'm actually dealing with this issue now because as we all know, the legal employment market is still very tight, right? So everyone's looking for the edge in recruitment and recruitment and retention are still the number one and two, number one and number two issues facing most firms. I personally have been using WiseHire and I've been using LinkedIn jobs more and more. In fact, I used to use WiseHire a lot more and LinkedIn less. It's now flipped. What I suggest to automate the process is make sure you use the pre screening questions, the functionality on whatever site you use. Okay, so for a managing partner, you know, it could be uh, certain years of attorney uh, legal experience in whatever practice area you have. It could be that they have been responsible for the performance of legal teams. It could be that they have, in previous jobs, had to bring in origination and new business. Whatever three or four bullet points are critical to you, I suggest adding that to pre-screening, which
2: will expedite the process. And then uh, one other source that you can look in, some people have had success, some people have not, is the ALA for legal administrators. They have a job board um, and it's a place to look for sure. Thank you for
0: listening. This has been the Unbillable Hour Community Table on the Legal Talk Network.
3: Launch now at pli.edu/interactive or download pli's mobile app